Happy Sunday morning, Salt Lake City, Provo, Orem, and Colville. You're listening to AM 1280 and 97.5 FM The Zone. This is SLC Culture, a weekly meandering through the happenings and issues and offerings of the greater Salt Lake Metroplex. I am your host, Christian Anderson, a cultural aficionado, a person that likes a good holiday spirit, as it were, and that will be my segue and hook uh, as the conversation progresses. Uh, with me today is my co-host, the inimitable, the inimitable Christy Marcy. Christy, how are you? I'm great. Happy middle of the holiday season. We're in the thick of the it now. The thick of it yeah. now. Uh, happy middle of the holiday season, Millennial Alex. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. W- working the board? Yep. Um, yeah. You, you, is all your shopping done? Not even close. No? You're, you're a procrastinator? I am. Yeah, I know. Me too. Uh, so, as I was saying, uh, we are in the middle of the holiday spirit, and for those regular listeners who have been listening to us for all four years of our show, will know that this is the fourth annual installment of one of our more uh, popular and infamous shows, and that is the uh, Holiday Spirits and Entertaining. Popular and infamous? Yeah, well, talent, well you remember what Talent did to himself. I do, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, F- what the two years ago uh so uh, entertaining and infamous but our holiday spirits and entertainment show uh this year we have scott gardner who is one of the city's more renowned bartenders and uh one of the uh, fellows that has brought you the Water Witch, uh, which gets mentioned on this show on a regular basis. Uh, favorite of all of the cultural mavens who uh, appear here. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. Uh, so to break that third wall, I don't know if I said this. Like, even though uh, we are recording on Thursday afternoon, it's actually Sunday morning oh, at that's seven. That's great. So we sort of jump back and forth in time here, uh, kind of like quantum leap. Does that make Alex? Are you the Al? Would he be the Al from Quantum Leap? Is Al the like the the guide? Al's the guide. Yeah, I couldn't remember his name. I guess that is what Alex is in this scenario. Did you watch Quantum Leap? I didn't. No, oh, it's such a good show. It's too bad. He it was wasn't great. even born. That's true. Good. What what is the millennial version? Is there a millennial version of Quantum Leap? Some time travel show where people solve problems? Is that a thing anymore on one of the cables? I feel like there's a bunch of different time travel solve problems type shows i guess that's sort of uh infinity or infinity Uh, war avengers endgame endgame yeah uh anyways mr gardner um how are you you're well yeah no i'm doing well uh so this is the time of year like we've gotten through thanksgiving which is uh you know the first you know holiday lots of food but i don't really associate thanksgiving as much with beverages like i do sort of the christmas with all the and holiday season with all the holiday parties and so um what you know when i say holiday party and and beverage let's first start with something that uh perhaps is a classic of people's homes that we can talk about that they might imbibe and and uh what, maybe what the history and why we associate these with the holidays yeah uh, i, I no matter what I think, historically, when you look at any sort of a gathering of people, there's 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 always drink involved, and I think that that's sort of cross culture. Um, I do think that to an extent, you know, you do include Thanksgiving into that. That's sort of the first mm-hmm. major time of year where you start kind of truly kind of gathering the family around. It's the mm-hmm. first time you start traveling, and you know, you get the cousins, you get the 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 parents, the kids, everybody together. When the kids start becoming drinking age, I think that's extra fun, um, largely because you can start making them do stuff for you, and then you can relax. Um, Labor. Yeah, free. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, there's there's so many drinking traditions, I think, surrounding uh, 
Thanksgiving that you you see that a lot with with everybody like a lot of the, the the big kind of booze portfolios start perking up and they start pushing their Beaujolais Nouveau and things like that. Mm. So, um, but during the holidays, I mean, it's it's all about communal drinking. Mm. Um, I think holiday po- hosting you don't want to get stuck making drinks the entire night for friends and family. So, yeah. you know, you get... You've met my friends and family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'd be stuck behind the bar all night. Yeah, well. Uh, well, I mean, back to your point about the history of this. I mean, like, uh, what is the, you know, the was Give us some figgy pudding in the wassail. And there's, a, I mean, the tradition of sort of Christmas caroling coming out of uh, jolly old England. And that, I mean, you sang and uh, you poured them a strong glass of... What, what is what is wassail? Wassail is... Modernly, typically a bit more of like a mold wine, mold cider sort of concoction with you know usually some sort of a, a, a British style rum. When you say British style, you're typically talking about a deeper, richer kind of barrel aged, more molasses driven rum, mm-hmm. um, or you uh, uh, often brandy as well as another really kind of popular spirit. There are much more old school, traditional, and laborious methods of making wassail, where you know you're you're baking the apples. Down. It's they're really pretty, but they take a lot of time. So, is mulling anything more than just heating? Like, if I say mold, I mean, when, am, I, am I just putting it on a on a stove or a hot plate and I'm calling it mold? To an extent, I mean, but uh, it does have to do with you know a specific kind of blend of your favorite holiday spices as well. Mm. I mean, I think they even sell them in bags of like mulling spices. Um, but you're looking at those kind of richer, uh, sweeter, kind of warmer. When it, not warm, like temperature outside is warm but you know the like kind of that warming kind of re- well-rounded flavor profile um you know your cinnamons your star anise allspice um you know even cardamom to an extent you can kind of throw in there if you want to add a little bit of like a citrusy sort of pop to your your spice blend but you want those really nice baking spice warm kind of well-rounded spices for for mulling you know, Christy, you grew mm-hmm. up depending on the conversation in either Kentucky mm-hmm. or That's Ohio, uh-huh. uh, depending on the day. For so the intents of this conversation, is it Kentucky? I, I, I was going to ask. I mean, in terms of the uh-huh. it, when you think back to the uh, to the beverages uh, of your home when you were a child, like to Scott's point about mulled things. I, I mean, I grew up in a pretty Swedish household and so I do think that we had some of the mulled stuff in there in the aromatics even as a child to get that cinnamon in it and it sort of perfumes the whole house and you don't really get that in the summer no one's been like ah your house smells like margaritas unless you've spilled a pitcher of margaritas or Mm -hmm. something and that's not really what you want so much you don't want to say like your house smells like martinis but you do kind of want to be like oh yeah your house smells like a mulled cider a mulled wine so um nobody in my family drank with the exception of my father's occasional genesee light but um one of the Kentucky traditions that I've kind of picked up on that I have at home, which I would argue fits into the show, even though it's not a drink, is I make bourbon balls, which is like an edible shot. It mm. sounds delicious. It's good. It's, so it's like vanilla wafers and chocolate and a whole lot of sugar and caro syrup. And I use makers because I like the vanilla notes in it. And then you just roll them and then you like roll them in powdered sugar and then mm. you eat them and they are delicious. So, you know, so just a, a, another way to, to transfer something that was in a barrel, mm-hmm. a delivery device to get something that was in a barrel into mm-hmm. your mouth in a non-sloppy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're very popular. They're my hostess gifts throughout the holiday season, mm-hmm. and they're very popular. You know, I've never received one in the five years that You've I've known you. You've never invited me over. Yeah, fair. So. Uh, Millennial Alex, I, I assume, I mean, I'm going to make an assumption that you came from a non-drinking household. I did, yeah. But I mean, I still assume that uh, you're. I mean, you still had to consume something, and whether you know, I learned 
when Stephen was on the show, I learned about something called Postum, which I never knew existed. And then well, my at, mom is a big time Postum fanatic. And I mean, if it was still around, yeah. she'd be crushing it. I think it's still around. You just have to go to the right place to get it. It's really expensive. It's, yeah. And yeah, it's like all like Fallout Postum at this point, right? Like, <laughs> Pretty much. You have to yeah. like buy it on the black market. Yep. Well, the first year that we did this. Um, it was Stephen. It, it wasn't Talon. Stephen was talking because Stephen Stephen grew up LDS, and he was talking about. He's like, "Oh, I had wassail in my home too yeah. in Draper, but they made it with tang." And I was tang. like, "Tang, yeah. interesting." So, what traditions? Uh, what traditions, Millennial Alex? Do you have for holiday beverages that are not of the alcoholic type? Uh, I usually will go and buy myself some eggnog, mm. and I know that I grew up. My parents would always like dilute it with milk or something like that. Just yeah, because like, it can it be a little and, thick and. I'm not a believer in that. I like it more thick, you know. But uh, and even I've I've encountered some people that actually water it down with Sprite. Oh, uh, heavens! It's yeah. <laughs> so there's some weird things. You know, up a little bit. But yeah, yeah, but wouldn't wouldn't the fake citrus and the citrus in the Sprite wouldn't make it curdle? Uh, I that's, mean, some so of the, the stuff that's coming out of a, out of most cartons is is pretty bulletproof. Mm. Um, uh. It's full of glue. I mean, that 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 kind of like odd, awkward, sort of slightly. I don't want to say snotty, but it's a little, you know, a little sticky texture. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a heavy amount of glycerin is what's going to give it that that kind of almost pull in your mouth, that mm. weight. Um, definitely not traditional eggnog in my book. I cannot stand that stuff. But I do have an odd penchant for the uh, the the, the uh, um, gosh, what is it? The old England. Alcoholic. Oh yeah. <laughs> you buy it only this time of year out of the bottle in the liquor store. It's awkwardly delicious. My my friend Glenn used to throw a party every year and he would make eggnog and he would say, What can I bring? And he was like, Just bring a bottle of the cheap stuff and it was just like a a vat of Mm-hmm. Any kind of liquor that anybody brought, and eggs, and I never cared much for the for the product at the end, but mm-hmm. um, but he did. So, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, Millennial Alex's uh, um, beverage of choice of eggnog and, and use that as a hook. So, so Scotty, what is the what is the tradition of a nog? Like, where are nogs made from? Can you make? I mean, I, clearly you can make a non-alcoholic nog, but is a nog something you could make at home, or do you have to get the glycerin-y stuff? Honestly, the the only nog that you really should be drinking is the one that you make at home. Okay, if we if we millennial Alex, are you willing to take a nog challenge and make your own nog? Oh, a hundred percent. I'm I'm in on this. Okay, great. I was about to say, I wish I had my notes. I can't give exact proportions right now, but the the method is actually pretty simple, and um, it, it eggnog stems traditionally from a class of of old drinks called flips, where you would shake or use an entire egg or just simply an egg yolk. Um, oftentimes the egg white would have been separated from the yolk for use later. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of whip together with a little sugar, make a loose meringue or, you know, and then that would sort of create like a fluffiness on top or you mm-hmm. can fold that in. But um, you would use, um, you would cream an egg yolk with, with sugar and then you would shake that with alcohol and that would be a flip and spices. Um, if you added cream or dairy to that, all of a sudden, instead of being a flip, you are now an, an, an eggnog. Basically, okay. So, as, so without the proportions, what you're saying is you've got a yolk, you've got some sugar, you've got some cream, and you've got some spices. And, you and shake and, it up. And booze. You know, you can't forget the booze. Well, I mean, depending on if you're a drinker or not. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, you can make non-alcoholic eggnog, and it's very, very tasty. Um, when you really start getting into the special, the extra special, nuanced eggnogs is when you, um, after you make your uh, cream, yolk, and sugar uh, base. 
you would add in and blend in uh, your alcohol. And once you kind of mix that all together and make sure that it's it's kind of, you know, well incorporated, you could actually bottle that, keep it at sort of, I don't know, quote unquote, cellar temperature, some sort of a cool room temperature, but you, or in the fridge, you can actually age that. Some people age them for upwards of, of, of a year. Uh, the alcohol makes everything, you know, completely cool. It, it is not you know, you're not in, in, in any sort of a danger of... of no salmonella? Know, no salmonella, or whatever no nothing. You, you know, the, the alcohol takes care of all that. But you can age these things, and they they, they grow exponentially in, like, character and nuance over the years hmm. um, to give the requisite body that you would want of your age after your age eggnog. Um, uh, at that point, you could, you know, remove it from storage. You would take uh, another portion of sugar enough, basically, to add some volume to egg whites and create a very sort of a a mildly, you know, sort of stiff peak of a meringue. And then you would fold that into the liquid eggnog until it incorporates, and it adds a beautiful sort of light, airy, fluffy quality to uh, to the eggnog. Um, so, if you were making said eggnog, not the folding in, but the basic one that we're talking about, where it's like I'm going to make a quick nog for my friends tonight. Uh, is when you incorporate all of those ingredients, are you shaking or stirring? If you're going to do it for your friends, uh, you would be doing it in sort of a punch scenario. Okay. So you're you're going to want to build the entire drink at all at the same time instead of individual drinks and mm-hmm. shaking them. That would be possible, but it's very laborious. And again, unless you want to play bartender to your friends all night long instead of actually enjoy yourself and socialize and enjoy your own party, um, I would definitely go for the more kind of punch driven. So I guess that was my that was one of my uh, one of my segues for thinking about whatever drink it is that you make over the holidays. Um, one of the questions that we always get, and I'm sure you've gotten this before your years in the bartending world, is thanks to Mr. James Bond, where he said shake and not stir. People seem to what? Why would I shake something and why would I stir? When is it appropriate to do anything? When am I breaking up? My, when am I breaking up my big spoon? Right. Uh, that's always kind of an interesting question. You have to. Also, kind of ask yourself, what is the point of shaking versus stirring? Um, the biggest thing is is shaking is a little bit more of an aggressive, uh, invasive, and violent method of, of making sure that your liquid components combine with each other. Um, while you're making those things combine and become one cohesive liquid, you're incorporating an incredible amount of air. And as that air starts getting trapped in the amount of sugar or fat or anything that might be in there, um, it creates tiny, tiny little air bubbles, and those air bubbles add body and texture and sort of a light palette. Um, without that, um, you know, sometimes certain types of drinks, if you ever just like, oh, I want a whiskey sour, and you pour fresh lime juice because you're trying to you do the fresh version, you pour a little simple syrup, and you throw some whiskey in a glass over ice, and you stir it around with your finger, and it doesn't really have a great texture. It feels thin. It's a little clunky. Those flavors haven't truly combined. You know, you can almost pick out citrus and sugar and alcohol individually. Um, Shaking takes care of that. It takes these uh, components that shouldn't necessarily blend and or like sort of emulsify together, and it it creates um, one liquid out of several. Uh, Attenuation, I believe you call that. So is James Bond wrong? Oh, totally. Yeah, the author of James Bond actually, you know, went on record after he wrote that book and, you know, wrote that passage. Ian, Ian Fleming? Is that Ian Fleming, yeah. yeah. Now, there's an article where Ian Fleming uh, was quoted in the newspaper where they asked him about the whole shaken versus stirred martini thing. And he was like, oh, well, no one would ever actually order that. I just thought that a character like James Bond would be kind of pompous and confident and prickish enough to have an absurd drink order that was unique only to him. So that's why I invented that. Is it sort of like a Norwegian gentleman? I wouldn't say that would be pompous <laughs> or prickish at all. Um, 
So where does the Plus, bartender? We stir a Norwegian gentleman. Yeah. yeah. So where does a bartender step in on that? Like if somebody comes to Waterwitch and orders a martini shake and not stirred, do you just do it and talk about him afterwards after no. the bar closes, or do you explain no. why? What? No, I, I I typically, especially when you go to a bar, um, there is there are certain things that about drinking that are very comfortable to people. I think you find a lot of people that have a drink that they go out and they don't explore when they go out and they have a go-to and it's very comforting and comfortable to them. And in those scenarios, you don't really want to take that away from people, especially if it's their first time in a bar and they, they don't really know what goes on there. I would hate to to take the one safety blanket of, of you know a first-timer in my bar away from them by saying, oh, you are so uncultured. You don't know a martini is supposed to be stirred. It's it, No, I, I, I let people have it, especially if that's their preference. Some people really, really love... And, and look at that sheen of ice shards on top of their drink as a sign of quality, I personally think that that is a little uh, intrusive and that it makes for a slightly unseemly texture. So I prefer to not have that. But, you know, I also drink for a living, and so I have <laughs> I have very specific expectations about how things are supposed to be. How's that, how's that pan out when you go to bars? Like, not in town, say, because I don't want you to, but, like, if you're traveling and you go to a bar. You know, I, I can suss out what a bar does pretty quickly when you walk in. You can tell by just the attitude of the bar staff. You can honestly tell by the types of tools that they have at their disposal, sometimes by the way their tools are set up. You, you kind of can see a couple things right off the bat about what you're getting into. And, you know, you can kind of suss out whether or not this is the type of place I'm going to order a cocktail or do I just say, Hey, you know what sounds delicious is a draft beer and, uh, you know, a neat whiskey. And I think I'll be fine with just that. Hmm. You know, I I don't really like to try to put people on the spot or test people or like, that's not why I go out. You know, I, that bartending is tricky business. You know, there's a lot of social dynamics that you're constantly having to be aware of and real, regardless of whether you think you're good or not, you are in the service industry and this is hospitality and I'm here to serve you not you know flex my intellectual muscles and make me seem like I'm a better you know more seasoned person than someone else I think it's kind of a poor mentality speaking of uh, having the nuance of social dynamics that's sort of back to dealing with your family in the holiday season Uh, yeah Um, it's like the most nuanced uh, social dynamic half the time we're all emotional bartenders with our family yeah throughout the holiday season Uh, so uh, if Christy grew up in uh, Kentucky or Ohio, depending on what is advantageous, I grew up in either Minnesota, Wisconsin, or the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, depending on what is advantageous to me. Um, interesting fact, um, Wisconsin is the number one brandy-consuming state in the United States. I would not have been surprised to hear that. No. Um, but there is a drink uh, that's sort of in that Wisconsin. I didn't see it so much in Minnesota, but I saw it a lot in Wisconsin in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan that happened over the holidays, and it was like a Tom and Jerry. And like, my, friend, oh, my friend Adrian drinks the Tom and Jerry's. That's and an old school. In, yeah. That's old school stuff right mm-hmm. there. And it's, it's some sort of batter with something else. And uh-huh. I, w- like, I had, you know, that was my childhood, so I never had one. So what is it? What is it? I mean, I, when I, people say Tom and Jerry, I'm like, oh, cute cartoon characters. But no, there's oh, something with man, a batter. Oh, man. Uh, a Tom and Jerry can be as simple and basic as a an egg batter um a warmed egg batter with uh with with hot or steamed milk uh sort of folded into it and typically a mixture of rum and brandy um 
And it can be as basic as that, or you can go really, really deep into the lore. You can't serve a Tom and Jerry without a Tom and Jerry bowl and, you know, uh, associated Tom and Jerry glassware and a Tom and Jerry ladle. And, you know, your batter has to be prepared in a specific way with certain spices. And, like, it can get incredibly in-depth and intense. Um, there's so much. Oh, man. You, you could open Pandora. Pandora's box. Uh, I if bet you, the if you supper clubs that, yeah. get real competitive about their Tom and Jerry's. Is there a Tom and Jerry in town? I've like I, I never saw it outside of the Midwest. Like mm-hmm. I've never. I mean, you know, I've been to Water Witch a time or two, but I, I I've never seen a Tom and Jerry anywhere in this town. Yeah, uh, I mean, at a bar, uh, the way that the laws are structured in Utah, um, you would rarely see one, uh, largely because they don't tend to pan out very well by adding. By creating a, a base and adding uh, alcohol in pieces per order, they mm. just don't really work that well. It can be done, but you've got to sort of MacGyver it a little bit. That's mm. um, another good old older show, Quantum yeah, Leap Show. Yeah, Alex doesn't <laughs> get that over at Alex there. Again. Yeah. Yeah. How young do you think that I am? <laughs> I don't know. They 20, said Quantum 24, Leap. 25. Yeah. Twenty. I'm 30. Are you really? Yeah. Wow, you look really good for 30. Well done, sir. But you, you say yes, MacGyver, no to Quantum Leap? I, I haven't seen Quantum Leap, but I know MacGyver. Oh, mm, yeah. so. I see all, it's all those years up in uh, up in Edmonton. Like You didn't get a lot of sun, so your skin it stayed youthful me. Yeah. and radiant. Yeah. Is that Alex the guy is. that we just rag on the whole time? Kind of. Pretty much, yeah. No, okay. we like Alex. You have a green light. It's, it's um, I was just, there seems to be a, a, a something I was almost unaware of. I think that there's, because I, I have an explanation for this MacGyver quantum <laughs> breakdown, and it's because MacGyver is kind of permeated pop culture, and, and there are MacGyver memes, and there was like the Magruder on Saturday Night Live, probably when you were watching Saturday Night Live as a teenager. Um, but nobody was like riffing on Scott Bakula the same way. So here we are. Now there's MacGyver mm. versus Quantum Quantum Leap will be lost to history. Which was such a good show. We gotta make some Quantum Leap memes. That's yeah. the My dad was a Quantum Leap guy. I think that's yeah. why I, I remember it so fondly. I'm trying to remember what my I don't know, that wouldn't be drama. That, I mean, but that was also around the time of Star Trek the Next Generation, right? I don't remember that. I think so. I don't know. Man, it's all all lost. I didn't watch Star Trek, but you've never seen this. Have you seen a Star Trek? I have never seen a Star War. I have seen a old <laughs> Star Trek, like like the Shatner Star Treks. I was a good father, and I got Soren tickets to opening weekend of the Star War, which is a weekend from. I'm sure they'll be talking about it on the movie zone, right? It's a weekend yeah. from this weekend, so whatever that is. Charlie's got tickets with his father as well. I abstain. First time for everything. <laughs> um, okay, so Mr. Gardner, let's say we're having a let's say we're having it doesn't even have to be a family thing. We're having a shindig for eight to ten people, mm-hmm. and we want to you know we want to craft some sort of you know beverage. Maybe we're, you know we're probably batching this thing. So again, you're not being everybody's bartender all night, but something that's a little bit unexpected, but maybe in the holiday vibe that you're like oh. Oh, I wouldn't have expected, you know, so, I mean, people might expect them, not that a mulled wine isn't great, but people might expect something like that. Something that mm-hmm. catches them and says, oh, well, I wasn't expecting that, but I see, like, good holiday choice. Right. Uh, I mean, talking about mulled wine, a Tom and Jerry, I mean, realistically, you could, these days you can find any, even incredible recipes from, you know, the top, top tier bars across the world. You can find recipes from these guys online. You know, you could 
pluck a Tom and Jerry if you really want to be spectacular. Go for that sort of old school oven baked baked apple floating, you know, mold wine mm-hmm. ciders. You could go for those for sure. Uh, realistically, though, for me, holiday drinking is about you know it's about uh, uh, gathering friends and family. And right when you say that immediately you just go to communal drinking mm-hmm. it's it's you know punches that's what we talk about eggnogs are, are best done in batches uh, you you put something out in a bowl with a ladle or you combine something so it can be held in a pitcher or you know something that is capable of people kind of helping themselves um that is still well thought out i think that you tend to want those holiday spices that do permeate the air, you know, those, those, you know, your cloves, your allspice, your cinnamon, those kind of barky or stick sort of spices, they tend to have a little bit more of a, you know, kind of like a resinous nature to them and mm. uh, higher oil contents, which is why they tend to permeate the air so nicely and they seem to cling to things. Um, but, uh, I mean, you can, like, even just uh, like tr- classic punches, like a Philadelphia Fish House punch. There's, there's, there's really nothing what, that's what truly it? holiday about it, but it is just a fantastically delicious and well spiced and deeply flavored punch. It's based off of a, a oleosaccharin or a, a sugar with lemon peel steeped mm-hmm. into it until they uh, extract all of the oil, and then you add that oleosaccharin to a bowl with uh, uh, lemon juice. You wait until the juice, the citrus, and the sugar with the peels combine. You know, strain the, the peels out. Add in your alcohol rinse the punch over the peels to really extract all those beautiful oils. You can add uh, spices in the form of syrups. You can um, add, you know, something like a good hearty Jamaican rum that's got a lot of sort of funk and like kind of dundery odd ball sort of like sweaty tropical sort of musk, you know? Um, and uh, those are great uh, drinks to make for friends and family because they can be sort of a, Hey, we're here there's the drinks, help yourself. Hmm. Um, and I think that, that entertaining with family around, unless you're really just excited about your new bartending kit you got for Christmas and you want to show off your shaking skills, I think that, that communal drinking, it, you know, advanced prep is definitely the way to go because if you are inviting people into your home and you're being a host, you want to enjoy their company as much as they want to enjoy yours. And so freeing yourself up uh, in that capacity, I think that's, that's, that's a way better call. Okay, I have the opposite of Christian's question for Ooh, you. What is the op- what is the opposite of my question? So, my if you're quest- drinking alone. Yes, like- on Christmas morning, generally, like my go-to is just mimosas. But is there yeah, like delicious, a so. like a like a Christmas cocktail that I could make that would keep me like nice and happy through the day? Mm. Because the problem with the mimosas is that I always like get the champagne crash around noon. Yeah. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, you're getting a, if you're starting in the morning, you do have to, you have to be wary of the fact you do, because alcohol Um, is going to make you want to take a nap regardless. mm -hmm. Holiday daytimes are tough too, because you know that you don't have to go anywhere. So it's so much easier to help yourself. Um, but that's also why a lot of people, uh, go towards, go for the coffee drinks. You know, you have the coffee drinks. You know, an Irish coffee is is such a treat, especially when you do it correctly. Um, or is there more to it than coffee yeah, and Irish cream? Like, oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you can throw Bailey's in coffee, and you can walk around calling it Irish coffee all day. But and this is another thing that you can do almost in a communal nature. If you were to get up in the morning and brew a pot of coffee, you know, say you had a twelve cup brewer, and add, you know, you add in say 
four ounces of a spice of a of a you know a simple syrup, and you add in, I don't know, let's see, six ounce cup, ounce and a half. So add in like twelve ounces of Irish whiskey, mm-hmm. and then you could just keep that hot that kind of mixture hot mm-hmm. pour it into a cup all the booze all the sugar the sweetness is all already there and then separately um you would make muddled cream which muddled cream you don't have to muddle it with a muddler it's just that's more of a a texture um it's somewhere between just heavy cream out of the carton and whipped cream you don't want it to be whipped cream you want it to be at this nice pourable um consistency that as you pour it on top of your coffee, it just floats right on top. Mm -hmm. So it's still actually drinkable. And while as you're drinking it, you get this nice sort of cool uh, uh, creaminess from the muddled cream. And then that combines with the the spirit, a little sweetness and coffee. And that, obviously, there's caffeine there. So that's going to be counteracting your crash. Um, And if you really want to be fancy, when you're muddling your cream, you throw a few dashes of Angostura bitters in there. And it gives it, again, a little bit of that kind of cinnamon allspice clove. Mm -hmm. It kind of aromatizes it just a little bit. You know, every time someone says coffee and Christmas, I cry every year with that Folgers commercial where Johnny <laughs> is coming home and he's like in the 80s sweater and he's putting the presents under the tree and he turns on the Folgers pot and like mom and dad and the sister come down like Johnny's home and it's the whole Folgers you thing. You cry at that? I do. Like it, it gets me every year. I mean, yeah. some people it's the Budweiser Clydesdales. No, for me, it's the Folgers commercial of Johnny coming home. Johnny's home. The best part of waking up. Yeah, you watch that? Like, you pull it up on YouTube or something? Or do they still show it on no, the television? They, have, they still show it. Okay. They, I mean, they were showing that same Clydesdale commercial for years and years and years and years. Some of them are just classics. Okay. Saving money. You don't have to produce a new, a new commercial. Yeah, when you've got a banger on your hands, I think you <laughs> That's right. You just go with you it. You know it's a mm-hmm. classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. How, how many years did they, re- did they have the, the Coca-Cola polar bear yeah. thing? Yeah. I mean, I guess they're making new ones now, but I like the classic Coca-Cola polar bear. And then, like everything, they jumped the shark. Too many polar bears. Jumped the shark? Yeah, I'm just trying to be nautical. Oh, okay. Um, just... a polar I mean, I don't know. Whatever. It made sense in my head. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Related to the Philadelphia Fish House Punch from earlier. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. It's really just a callback. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that happened, so your mimosa mm-hmm. could be champagne. Uh, New Year's we associate with champagne, but there has been a, a explosion, a veritable eruption of new things like a Prosecco perhaps or um, what, what's the Italian one that I can't think of? Oh, you're talking about no, no, the Spanish Cava. Cava, thank Cava. you. Cava is the one that I'm thinking of. Uh, maybe even a Lambrusco. Uh, what's the difference between all these uh, bubbly wines? I you mean, know, it's I, funny that champagne, honestly, I think just dominated sparkling white wine for so long because France also dominated the American, you know, sort of mentality of, well, that's fancy. If like anything that's like, well, what's the fanciest thing? Well, it's probably French. You know, we, that was a, that was sort of a mentality for a really, really long time. And so if you're celebrating, you have to have champagne because clearly the French sparkling white wine is superior. Well, they, but Prosecco and Cava have equally as long and in-depth um, uh, histories of production and really old houses and very, very high levels of quality. And within France as well, if you really want to start exploring the world of sparkling white wine, you have Cremant, you have all sorts of really beautiful, there's a lot of American domestic sparkling wines that are fantastic. Um I, and I really honestly, like Stella. 
I really like Stella and American sparkling wine. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's great ones. I I you're talking about where we're from. Whenever it's adv- advantageous, mm-hmm. but I I'm <laughs> right now it's advantageous for my home to be New Mexico, Albuquerque, which it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, they have a, a winery that produces uh, that they actually grow a vineyard with uh, Burgundy uh, varietals, uh, mm. primarily Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, mm-hmm. and it's called uh, Gruet. And they mm. do a really beautiful sparkling wine that's domestic, and it's very, I don't know, you're, are you supposed to talk about what things cost and brands on the radio? Yeah, you are you allowed do to do that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sometimes I don't know. I mean, as long as you're not swearing, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, Gruet, they're, they're a very great sort of traditional method champenois, which is mm-hmm. the champagne method of white wine production. And, um, you know, there's, there's lots of fun stuff out there. Well, and... I think for people who are out, you know, buying things, we obviously we have the wine stores here, which are a, a two-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Um, but perhaps you might even be able to get a bit more bang for your buck if you go away from the traditional French champagne because totally. you're yeah. going to, you know, a cava or a prosecco, and maybe you can find. You can often find higher quality at better prices if you are not purchasing champagne. And a lot of those classic or traditional champagne houses, because of their name and their status, they command a very specific dollar point. Um, And none of them are bad. I think they're all very good products, but you can find, I think, things of of equal quality for much better value. And is it true that... Like if I'm making it in a mimosa, the quality of my bubbly isn't going to matter quite as much, or does it still matter? I would say quite as much. Yeah, I would say it doesn't not matter, um, but I think quite as much is a good way to to put that. I you know even if you are making a mimosa, you know, sure. I mean, grab a bottle of Cooks. You know, it's funny. Even Cooks though isn't that cheap anymore. It used to be like four bucks a bottle. Now it's like nine. Yeah, well, I... There's I, more cooks in the kitchen. Hey! Oh, hey no. my goodness. I won't, I won't name names, of course, but I have seen um, a couple of brunch spots with with their kitchen people hauling in cases of cooks yeah. for Sunday brunch. Yeah, honestly, for mimosas, especially so. when people are rolling those like $3, $4, uh-huh. $5 mimosas. It's funny, people are, some people are still standing firm with $3 mimosas, which in my head, I was like, yeah, they were doing that when cooks was $4. I'm not even sure how you afford that now that it's like Maybe more it's than a loss leader. Price. Yeah. But, um, no, I mean, Cook's makes a fine mimosa. I don't know a lot of people that are going to these nice brunch places that are complaining about their uh, their mimosas. You know, it, it does a fine job. If you're fresh squeezing your orange juice, um, that is huge. Um, so you would, go, you would go with a slightly lower price point champagne, but a fresh squeezed orange juice. I would do fresh squeezed orange juice, mm. but at the same time, you know, I'm not opposed to, you know, buying some off the shelf. Mimosas are one of those Tang. things where it's like <laughs> a mimosa to me can almost fit the same bill as as me getting like like a case of Tecate at the store. You know, it almost sort of like does the same thing for me. I'm like, I like a cheap Mexican lager. Like, let's make some mimosas and I don't care. Mm-hmm. I sort of feel like that's kind of the Wisconsin Bloody Mary. Like, uh, I don't know. Have you spent much time in Wisconsin, Scotty? No, but I've definitely made I, drinks for Wisconsiners. I don't know if I've sent Very you... Very particular pi- drinkers. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I've sent you pictures of these, but I was in Wisconsin for my grandmother's 90th birthday a couple, like a month ago, and you order the Bloody Mary, and there's not a lot of liquid in there. There's like a meat stick and seven cheese curds and a jalapeno pepper, and like by the time all of your garnishes are in there, you've displaced a large volume of... Of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that the actual vodka and tomato juice not matter much anymore. It's just a vehicle for a bacon cheese 
vegetable salad basically on top of a drink. Yeah, totally. I mean, that I think that Bloody Mary culture is starting to get a little out of control with all of the accoutrement. I mean, you know, some of these things, you go to certain places and they have like $25 Bloody Marys, which is like, that's absurd. I'm like, yeah, but actually you don't have to order a meal because it's all on there. Mm. Well, I mean, all... Every habit of human of humanity gets slightly absurd. You know, when I lived in Seattle before I came here, the arms race for having the like hoppiest quadruple IPA, where they're just jamming more alcohol and hops into a beer, so you're getting these twelve point quadruple hop things was just insane. It was like oh, this yeah. crazy arms race that I moving to Utah where people had to do low point beer, I actually thought that they were better and more thoughtful with their flavors oftentimes. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm actually pretty glad that the the monstrously hoppy um, beer craze and a lot of the, the I'm a hophead like that mentality is starting to die out. But I mean everything works in trends mm-hmm. regardless of whether people want to uh, realize it or not. I mean we all sort of there's a bit of a hive mind sort of mentality with things like all the old school hopheads are now looking at hazy beers which yeah they have a lot of hops but they're not necessarily overly bitter because they dry hop them or they want milkshake beers with you know lactose added to them or they want you know it's whatever it's all sours, new, it's all sours these it's days it's sours it's you know it's and and you know Somebody that, you know, last year was like, I only drink double IPAs is all of a sudden being like, well, uh, actually, what I only drink now is. And you're like, yeah, I know. It's just, <laughs> it's cool. Man. Just drink what you want. And if you want to explore all the newest, hippest new trends, then that is who you are. And that's totally mm-hmm. cool. You're listening to AM 1280, 97.5 FM, The Zone. This is SLC Culture. We are talking uh, our annual holiday sort of uh imbibing show uh, about bringing in mixologists. Actually, do we use mixologists anymore? Is that a, is that a derogatory term at this point, Scott? I think everybody's starting to relax on, on that. what people should call people these days. Yeah. Mixologist, bartender, bartender. It's all, it all seems pretty good cocktail to me. Cocktail craftsman. Yeah, I don't Ooh, even, actually. Yeah, uh, you don't like the you don't like the alliteration of cocktail craftsman. I like the alliteration. I think if somebody <laughs> came in and started calling that me that all the time, I'd start being like, "All right, that's enough." Cocktail craftsman, will you fetch me a martini, shaken not stirred? <laughs> right? Too. Yeah. Um, but speaking of things, at some point when you've had this incredible party and your family is hanging around, um, you had a great time but you might want to get away from them and find some other forms of entertainment a little bit so perhaps oh, there is a perhaps there. there is a a concert or something that people might want to attend this week so christy could you give us this week's concerts do's and don'ts oh gosh there's not a lot because it's the holidays um so monday the 16th which is tomorrow as the crow flies or as the radio waves work you know, um, you know what they say time flies like an arrow fruit flies like a banana oh jeez, that's so bad eh. that's so bad uh patterson hood is playing at the stateroom he is um from the drive-by truckers so it used to be patterson hood and mike cooley and jason isbull but jason isbull's on his own now and so patterson hood and mike cooley do solo stuff over the winter um, and he's really interesting because he does like purposefully small club bookings. So, um, so he and his guitar only will be at the stateroom on Monday, and then it it goes pretty much downhill from there. Uh, Tuesday the seventeenth, Mannheim Steamroller is at the Eccles. Just in case you missed the Trans Siberian Orchestra at the Viv a couple weeks ago, when we were coughing because the fog machines were even coming into our studio. Um, and then Friday at the Viv, the Piano Guys, who people really oh, like. People like the Piano people Guys. People love the Piano Guys, and I imagine it will be a very Christmassy show, and some people like that. So I don't think they'll cover Please Daddy Don't Get Drunk This Christmas by John Denver, but maybe. Maybe. 
Um, Saturday, Kurt Bester begins his um, his stand at the Egyptian in Park City. So that's a Utah tradition. Uh, but my recommendation for Saturday and, frankly, for the entire week is um, the Viva La Diva show, which is a local drag show at Metro Music Hall. They are doing a christmas theme show as well. That will probably be far more fun than any of the other Christmas shows I mentioned previously. Uh, so no Beach Boys coming to town? No Beach Boys. Mm, nothing nothing to really... No, but, you know... Nothing to really absolutely avoid this week? Nothing to... Well, I mean, like... Maybe avoid Kurt Bester. I mm. just can't seem to even like work up enough energy for him. So, um, what I would say is um, keep an eye out because like summer concert announcements are happening now for uh, for that venue in West Valley. And the most exciting thing that has happened is um, the Doobie Brothers have announced that they are touring with Michael McDonald again, mm. and that is an Usana show. Like it was made there and they, oh, this is actually interesting too. They, so because Isana is Live Nation now, they're selling. I don't know what that means. Live Nation is the concert promoter. They're selling $200 season passes for the lawn at that venue, which is actually a really good deal if there's a couple shows you want to go to um, because the Ticketmaster fees, like if, if you were to go to three or more shows, I would recommend you get that. And it would be a good Christmas present. Mm-hmm. That Hey, there's a good tip. There you go. Uh, I don't remember. Is Usana the one that, do they, they do sell alcohol or they do not sell they alcohol? They do sell alcohol for about $12 a beer. Oof. Yeah. You know, speaking of, speaking of which, I was at a local establishment uh, that shall not be named because they, they recently uh, acquired a, a liquor license and I got a Coors Light in a can for $6 and I was, I was hmm. I'll tell you, shocked. Man, my, my neighborhood bar is uh, the VFW oh, that... and I don't know how they do it. The one across from the Bongo? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. On Highland? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how the bongo does it either. I don't know how the bongo does. Yeah, the bongo. I'm always like, I think you forgot to charge me for something, and they. That's that's probably a strong possibility that they have. (laughs) The classic old school bar movie. Yeah. Bring somebody in. They're like, I don't actually know what they had, but I think they had some of this. Uh All right. Okay. I'll take it. The bongo is the only bar in my life that I have actually thrown a shot over my shoulder, so I didn't have to drink it. Why? There was a gentleman there who I don't know. What I don't know if he was exceptionally happy or exceptionally sad or or why, but he just kept buying rounds of mind erasers for people, and Ugh. I you know I don't really do shots anyway, and I think I might have had one or two to be polite, and eventually I was like, Ugh. and I realized that that's a bar that has carpeting, yeah. and I don't even know how old that carpeting was, but yeah, I just went, Whoosh. and I think it just got absorbed just into right the up. milieu of. Probably one of the better things that have been deposited on that floor over the course of the centuries that that bar has been there. But it's probably not the first mind eraser it's seen. Yeah, but oh my goodness, I grape mind erasers or like yeah. the Kahlua. Okay, no grape. Right. Ugh. Ugh. It's a yeah. salt, a Salt Lake staple. Is the grape mind eraser? Grape I found out when eraser. I moved here. What is I've... what is in it? Just oh. grape pucker. Uh, grape and... pucker. Yeah, and that's it. Grape, grape pucker vodka. It's to talk with either soda or tonic. I think 
standard here is soda, and then you have to drink it through the two straws, and the idea is that the most weighty of all of the liquids, the Great Pucker, sinks to the bottom. So that's the first thing that you take through your straws. <laughs> then it's vodka, then it's soda water to clean the palate. Oh, my I went goodness. to um, Pub Quiz at Piper Down last night, and every time I'm there, I like to play a game with whomever I'm with. And it's a, like a reading the list of shots that they have available, and then deciding which one would be the worst. Unfortunately, I can't say the, nine, the names of either of the winners on the radio, but there are some truly vile things on on that shot menu oh yeah oh yeah really really awful oh there's some really awful shots right and, yeah mean, it's they, not piper's fault that's just that's yeah. just what shots are so piper down i think probably does have the most aggressive menu of shots mm-hmm. and i kind of love it <laughs> they also have probably the best vegan wings if you're in the vegan wings yeah don't you have a vegan daughter i do have a vegan daughter but she's not old enough to get into the bar quite oh, yeah. yet two more years and then she'll be just drowning in vegan wings. I think she's just going to go to Zest all the time. She's Oof. talked about wanting to go to Zest forever. So Yeah, hey, Zest kills it. Zest is, is They good. do a great job. Yeah. Love those guys. Mm-hmm. I haven't been to Zest in a, in a long, long, long time. How, do, how are they on the price scale? I don't know because I'm pretty, I, I mean, pretty normal. Pretty mo- yeah, yeah, I think, I think they're, they're kind about of, right. I've never gone in there and been like, oh, the price is, I think it's pretty standard. Hmm. Nice. Well. A v- it's a I'm ve- not even a vegan. I still like that place. I think yeah. it's great. Yeah, I think they they have great cashew curry. I always, I, my whole thing with like I don't want to pretend my food is something it's not. But give me like a like a solid meal that should have been vegan in the first place, and don't put meat in it, and it'll be good. And and their curry's good. Well, Scotty, you might not know this, but our listeners do. Is that we are part of a two-hour cultural block. Following this is the movie zone with Austin and Adrian, where we talk about what is on in our local cinemas. And so we always like to give a shout out uh, to Austin and Adrian. And I see Austin lurking around. So one of the things that we do is we always like to quiz Austin about his favorite um, movie based on whatever the theme of this week's show is. So. Um, Perhaps we should ask everyone, what is your favorite movie that revolves around perhaps a drink or a cocktail? Because we did we did the holidays the other day, so we can't or last week, so we can't double up on on holidays again. But we could do something wherein a a drink or or bartending or something is one of the uh, one of the driving MacGuffins, as it were. Is that the term? I, I listen the MacGuffins of the movie. Do you have a? It's tough because the obvious go-to answer is always cocktail, yeah. right? It is. It's tough. That is tough to say, but it is true. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a couple reasons to love the movie Cocktail with Tom Cruise and Elizabeth Shue, um, but one of them is because the original bar that they are filming in when he first starts getting his job and starts getting comfy, and the first time he starts flipping his tins and looking like he's having a good time, is the original. Uh, TGI Fridays. Really? And mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't, you only think about TGI Fridays as being a chain akin to a Chili's and Applebee's. The interesting thing about TGI Fridays is for a really long time, especially in that era in 80s New York, they were very, very, very well known for being sort of like the kings of cocktails. Hmm. Um, in order to get a job there, you had to know an incredible array of, of cocktail recipes, like something like it was like 200 different cocktail recipes and they used to use a lot of like fresh juices and all of these things the 80s of course were typically known uh, kind of viewed as sort of a dark era for for cocktails um, <laughs> but you got a lot of those shots that christy was talking but, about. oh absolutely yeah. that and into the yeah. 90s for sure it's like but, my mom drink my mom kamikazes that's yeah. her that's her thing the like. the um 
the which a kamikaze is actually a really good drink if you it's make not it bad. I ha- I'll All tell you a story. A vo- it's a vodka margarita. Yeah, I'll tell you the story about my mom and kamikaze oh, off air, but yeah, it's nice. it's a good I one. Like <laughs> but, you know, the the strawberry daiquiri. That's a great example of what happened with that original TGI Fridays, and it became so popular. And they were using all these fresh strawberries and doing these things. They became so popular that they had to start figuring out ways to make them in bulk for all of the oh. waves of people. And that's where you start getting these strawberry syrups and the blenders and like how do you create this on a mass scale and then it eventually became so popular that the nuclear red fishbowl of frozen strawberry daiquiri became pervasive across american culture and now that's you even say the word daiquiri to some people like no no water witch has a great daiquiri by I the way that is it yeah, yeah that is the, the classic ray and nephew uh-huh. daiquiri but yep. it, but it, that, there is i kind of love that movie because uh, beyond how silly in 80s it is it does throw some shout outs to some very significant historical like bar places. And I think that that is kind of one of the, the, the unspoken gems of cocktail. I will say this about cocktail, though. I went to a bar in Vegas once, like just a bar in a casino to get a drink. And the bartender tried to do like some cocktail stuff Ooh, as he flare. was prepping it. Yeah, it was a little flair. But I think all that ended up happening was like his pint glass was in his my pint glass was like in his armpit for like more than I would want his Yeah. yeah. yeah so did in action it doesn't necessarily work as well mm-hmm. when you're not Tom Cruise. That's very fair. Yeah. Do you have a favorite movie I that is do. anchored around some sort of beverage? Um I've got one anchored around a bar. Mm, yeah, that's fair. Casablanca. Oh, very nice. yeah, that is a classic. Yeah, I love that movie. Very swanky. Yeah. I, you know, I don't normally do the uh, go to the symphony when they're playing the musical score for a thing, but yeah. I, I did go for Casablanca, and it was a great I experience. I love Casablanca. My cat that just died a couple months ago's name was Ilsa. Mm-hmm. After, um, yeah, well, Frank, a great movie. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a darn. <laughs> wrong movie. Wrong movie. I know, but I was trying to go. Here's looking at you, kid. kid. Yeah. If you, you'll regret it. If not today, someday soon for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Close enough. Close That's enough. Close enough. Yeah. That's why I'm not the movie guy. What actually, do, but what, what I was going to say, uh, actually, well, I'm going to say, and I'm going to go, I'm going to go a little sappy, a little rom commy, and also a little holiday y. Oh. I'm going to go Bridget Jones Diary. Because of her, like, the theory of a hot, like, where she uses drinking, and she, she tracks her, like, vodka units and thinks about that, and then, like, tries to dial back, but then, like, yeah, the whole theory of, like, how, anyway, I can relate. Mm-hmm. I can relate to Bridget Jones. I can relate to Bridget Jones, too, I'm afraid. What where's, about Alex? Where's my Colin Firth? <sighs> so mine is definitely Strange Brew. Mm-hmm. Oh. Nice. You know, good old Canadian romp through the great white north looking for beer you like love canada i do love canada you it's do. great did you have some timbits when you were when you were a canadian i miss timbits yeah mm-hmm. they were wonderful oh tim hortons isn't it fascinating that you can have these big cultural things that just never make it across the border we had a tim hortons in minneapolis that tried because minneapolis is basically, basically close thing to canada you've got in the united states and the mexico of canada <laughs> yes, and it couldn't even make it there, which is sad. Yeah, I mean, a shop that just serves donut holes. I mean, well, other things too, but that's what a Timbit is. Anyway, so Austin, uh, <laughs> what is your uh, what is your uh, movie of choice that revolves around either a drink or a drinking emporium? All right, uh, a subject I don't know much about at all. Uh, is drinking, but that doesn't mean that I don't know about movies. 
that involves drinking. Randomly, uh, white men can't jump comes to mind, not because of anything that has to do with this topic per se, but Woody Harrelson, who's in White Men Can't Jump, has a drinking problem as Hamish in Hunger Games. So that, I don't know why, but that randomly first came to mind. White Men Can't Jump and then tied it into Woody Harrelson because I made a Woody Harrelson joke on the, the movie zone this week. But there you go. There's one for you. Cocktail obviously comes to mind. There's a movie called Extract, which isn't necessarily about drinking alcohol, but about drinking an extract with Jason Bateman and Mila Kunis. Bad movie. Don't watch it. Uh, but coming up today on the Movie Zone, we are talking about Black Christmas, which is terrible. Don't see it. It's awful. Don't believe me. Go see it and then let me know how you, what you thought about how terrible it was. Jumanji, the next level. Should be a fun time out at the theaters. And, of course, Richard Duell is our big review of the week. Was able to go see that, and I've got some uh, thoughts on it. I'll just, uh, I will tell you here in this moment, I really liked it. But to hear what I liked about it, tune in next at the top of the hour for the movie zone. Guys, back to you. Well, I'm surprised that you made the connection with White Men Can't Jump, but now you've convinced me. You know, I am. That is why you are the movie guru, Austin. Uh, stay tuned after this for Austin and Adrian and the movie zone. Um, so, Scotty, we're heading into the last segment of our show, and this is something that we do every time. Um, you've been. In, how long have you been in Salt Lake City? I think about 12 years. 12 now. years. Yeah. Uh, coming from Albuquerque. Yes. <clears throat> okay. So I moved here a little over five, no, six, and it'll be six years before too much longer. Wow. It will be. Time flies. Wow. Um, and so I think, you know, being in the industries that I've been in in this town, that Utah does a great job of advertising Salt Lake as a place that you fly into, but then you leave swiftly to go to a national park or perhaps go skiing. Mm, yeah. I don't think we... You know, I think that I don't think we do a great job of marketing Salt Lake City as its own cultural destination. Uh, and so, what I always do is I say, if you had a guest in from out of town, like let's say you have a cousin from Albuquerque who comes to town, and you're going to play concierge for a day, you're going to set up an itinerary from the time they get up to the time they go to bed. You know, walk me through a day of taking advantage of, of the cultural offerings of Salt Lake, where you can't just like drive to a national park and just go up skiing. Oh, because man. those are those are that's cheating. I feel like this can take on so many routes because there is a very odd, an odd side of Salt Lake, which I kind of love. Well, you're the you con know? you're the concierge, uh, man. Oh man. Uh, so I, funny enough, I, I you know I'll keep it within the neighborhood, but the the first place I'd probably go first off in the morning because I'm up. Huge coffee guy is uh, Blue Copper Coffee Room. It's, see you there. I'll yep, see you. I know. I see you all the time. <laughs> but I mean, it, it has been my favorite for so long. It has. It's been sort of. I think you know, even in its previous iteration, as 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 No Brow, as you know, the, that's kind of mm -hmm. gone through its metamorphosis. But that was honestly one of the first places when I moved here that I kind of started really feeling at home. A lot of the people that I still call friends and and I've met through that shop. Uh, my bar is where it is because of that shop. Yeah. And and uh, so I think that, and they just have really good coffee. Mm -hmm. So we'd probably start there. Um, and that's on the corner of 900 South and 200 West. Yeah. Yeah. Right down the street from mm -hmm. Waterwich. Um, but then, um, oh, geez. Because there's all like those standard things that you kind of have to have. Someone's never been to Utah. All right. I can collect my the, thoughts the, here. The, the Temple Visitor Center. Um, it's going to be closed, though. So that's just not going to be an option. Right. So. Oh, man. I haven't had to think about this in a long time. Um, you know, I probably, uh, 
try to keep them sort of around my neighborhood a little bit Mm -hmm. and uh you know maybe we'd end up after coffee i like sometimes to have coffee before i have breakfast is that Mm -hmm. normal is that what i do do. um and then you know we'd probably head up and just uh grab a classic diner breakfast at park Mm -hmm. cafe Mm -hmm. uh and then uh at a certain point obviously everything's revolving around eating and drinking as it should at a certain point, you're going to have to speckle a crown burger in there. Oh. Uh, important. I took my son for his first crown burger this weekend. He liked it. He liked it a lot. Yeah. So. We'll have to pepper in a crown burger for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, at a certain point, you know, we're day drinking. And I think that a few of the more legendary day drinking kind of dive bars, you've got uh, Duffy's, again, mm-hmm. to keep it in the neighborhood. I'm keeping everything very central ninth right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Duffy's is a, a killer just daytime you know grab a, a beer and a shot sort of place plus they if you're feeling peckish again after your crown burger uh they actually have some really really great sandwiches wings not too bad either um at that point you know we're probably wanting to you know maybe check out something a little bit more cultural maybe you take them up uh you know, to the mouth of immigration maybe you take them up to uh this is the place or you take them up to you know something where you can get a good view of the city mm-hmm. um and then uh from there, you know, it's got to be close to dinner time, right? Sure. Um, you've, had, you've had a hike wherever it is you are. You've had a hike. So, so now packaged. you're hungry again. I need a drink. Um, there's so many good places to eat here. Um, I'll throw a shout out to a newer establishment, though, because new guys need a lot of love these mm-hmm. days. Uh, and opening restaurants is tough. But a good friend of ours uh, just opened uh, Ochre not mm-hmm. too long ago. Uh, Drew and Angie. Mm-hmm. That's that place. 100 South and 400? 500? 500 East? Yeah. And they're killing it. I think that their food is unique and they just deliver quality service. Um, I'm loving what they're doing up there. And I think it they do a good job of, of celebrating Utah in their food and in their um, you know their choice of ingredients. And then at a certain point, you're going to have to come back to Waterwood for a drink. Uh, you probably do have to have a Radak. Ray, uh, Ray, Ray Nephew Daiquiri that's mm-hmm. very specific. It has to be done. Um, maybe the new favorite that's starting to happen a lot is uh, uh, the Gingerberg, where we, you take that a, you and... knock an Underberg back and follow it with a, a shot of fresh ginger because we all need to uh, mm. help the bellies digest mm. large meals. And um, the, then, you know, from there, if you're looking for a nightcap after Waterwitch, or you can just have a nightcap at Waterwitch, I like to stay there for very long periods of time well. working. Um, but <laughs> the uh, there's so many great bars, and you know if you're looking for cocktails, if you're looking for beers, you know breweries. Uh, again, the Central Ninth neighborhood. We've got Ketos, we've got TF Brewery, we've got Fisher. You can walk to all these places. It's awesome. I love the walkability, um, even though our blocks are massive. Yeah. There's just I think there's these kind of awesome little uh, neighborhood packages that are being created with Central Ninth, the downtown area. Um, you know, you've mm-hmm. got sort of the Capitol Hill, you've got the avenues, and I th- there's so many beautiful pockets, Ninth and Ninth, where you can spend full days of time. Well, to any of our listeners who want to bump into Mr. Gardner, uh, certainly go to Waterwich. It's one of the places that is regularly mentioned among all of our guests, and that is also on 900 South and 200 West, basically, two hundred between 200 West and Jefferson. 163 West. 163 West. Yeah, exactly. Harvey Milk Boulevard. Uh, and see Scott there. You can find both of us in the morning at Blue Copper, usually. Um, but Absolutely. anyways, uh, one of the things that I do want to say at the end of this episode is whether you're imbibing at a bar or at home, make sure you're not driving, take an Uber, take a Lyft. 
Um, uh, please do not drink and drive. But uh, we hope to see you over the holidays and hope uh, you tune in next week. You're listening to AM 1280, 97.5 FM The Zone. This has been SLC Culture. Stay tuned for the Movie Zone coming up next.